This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Touchdown. Vershawn Jackson, number 34, gets the touchdown. Terrell Farley. Terrell Farley. Terrell Farley. Defending Terrell Farley. Who last week in his first start was a holy terror. Number 43. And Jake Bakoven. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Powered by Bauer. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Turn it on, Bob. Feel like a boxer coming out. Ah. Yeah, yeah Rocco. Like the Huskers coming out. Yeah, Rocco. Oh man, it's our Friday, man. It's Friday. It's Friday, 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 Friday. It's Friday for us. With no good sin. <laughs> By the, way, by the way, no by the way, I'll be down here on um, Friday to get my good scent, Rico. So be watching you. Better have it. Oh, man. Dude, so much news going on today. So much news out there in, in ticket land, Captain's Country. It is going absolutely bananas. We got a, a, a rock'em, sock'em show for you. We're going to talk a little bit about John Morant. We'll talk a little bit to Georgia Chola. Chola, it'll probably be 10 15, 10 30. He's going to call in. We'll talk about that. We'll talk Nebraska football. Mm-hmm. Finally. Tear. Yeah. News. I know you've been waiting. Because Rule's been keeping you in the the mist. You look warm today. So we'll start. We'll start, Terrell. Break down this John Morant thing. What happened? So, it's a lot of stuff going on with this kid. You know, after the and, you know, famous thing with Shannon Sharp that happened, uh, I guess they was in Indiana playing a game, and they got into it with some people. And I guess at the end of the game, he rolled off, and somebody pointed a laser, which, you know, which they thought it was a gun. But, you know, this kid right here has a lot of talent, and and he's just going away. So, now he's – He's just, uh, well, took a leave of absence for for two games, but it's going to end up being more than that. Now the NBA is investigating him. So, you know, it's just a – and what, what amazes me is that this kid has a father in his life. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has a father that's right by his side. And, you know, f- and for his kid to act out like that, I mean, that's what a father figure supposed to come in and, and make this kid a stronger and better person to the world, you know, so right now he's looking like, a, you know, just either a clown or, or a wannabe thug, which is not going to portray anything great for you in the NBA because we've seen what, what, with the gun accident with Gilbert Arenas and, and, and the other guy that went down, you know, probably 10 years ago, I, you know, and, what, and, and you know, just it's a lot of stuff that's going on with which a team like this doesn't need all the publicity because they're trying to make a push to the playoffs. You got other guys on the team that you know that that don't want to go through this so you know it's a lot going on with this young man that you know he has to get it together yeah okay so 
I don't know. I was kind of reading some lines. I haven't really read up much on this, but I, it, there was headlines that did he bring a gun to a opposing team stadium? Uh, they don't know if he brought it. That's what they're kind of investigating is it was on the road. So that's when he could get in bigger trouble with the NBA is if he brought the gun on the team plane um, and, and brought it on the road. So he ultimately flashed it on his Instagram live yeah. as after a game uh, in Denver on the at, road. A, at a strip club at five in the morning yeah, after a loss, if you that know. makes it any worse. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the, the wherewithal, the knowledge that you're John Morant, and I mean, he was. We all kind of know the the gun tension that's been going on in this country for a while, and it's it's a hotly debated thing. So, like a uh, few nights before that, he was just doing a celebration of of guns, and and people were getting mad at him for that, um, and saying you know that he can't be doing that. So he just kind of has to kind of know what you know. Now there's all the questions: Was it his gun? Is is it licensed? Uh, you know, could he carry it in the area? So um, the NBA is just going to have to do their investigation. But one way or the other. This is about, I mean, that's about as dumb as a mistake as you can make is to flash it on Instagram live. And like Terrell was kind of saying, his background isn't from the streets. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he seemingly came from a good good uh, family or something. So it's like he's, it feels like he's trying to prove that he's hard and, and show that he's that guy. Yeah. And, he, and you, you don't need to do that. You're, tw- you know, you're 23 year old multimillionaire. You know, you don't have to prove that you're some tough guy. Um, so, I mean, that, that appears, appears to be what's going on. Yeah. And the, and the sad thing about it, this kid is from South Carolina. So there's no banging in little rock with him. You know, this is a, a South Carolina country kid, um, who, who, who has his mother and father and sisters and brothers. So, you know, it, it's, it's not like he was born into this role. It's just yeah. a, is he a wannabe or is he just stupid? That's my concern though. Well, you know, a lot of times when you give these youngsters that type of money, you, 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 uh, we view, and I say we as a whole, sometimes view money as power. So you give a young kid that much money, does dad really have any say-so at this point? Guess who's the dad now? Well, You see? Yeah, no, no. Because when he disrespects, first of all, you respect your elders. Yeah. That's number one. And, and Josh shouldn't have his buddies going at legends guys that are sitting in the stands that make people want to come and be around the whole situation. We shouldn't be doing that at this point. So now you telling me that you got gang life on the NBA courts mm-hmm. that's playing out in front of the whole world. What? And then got he's, if, if you're around doing that type of stuff, you know, I always talk about some of the rap music, right? I grew up with rap music. I grew up loving rap music. I love to be. I love it. But then when you get older and you go back and you listen to the words, sometimes some of that music might not be the best thing that you should be looking listening to. Well, you know, but this is the first incident for the NBA. If it was a game thing, remember um, Craderton, um, what his name? Craderton played for the Clippers out there. So Josh Craderton, he got, he ended up shooting a young lady and she died and he got what, life in prison or 20 years. So, you know, is it is it a culture thing for the basketball players? I mean, you got to be asking this question because, you know, ain't no way you're going to tell me that John, John, uh, John, John Morant been banging in South Carolina because I don't think so. You know, it's too close to Georgia. It's not that big. You know, it's a country, country state. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you know, it, it, it's it's something he got to, you know, it's got to be, you don't bring that many friends with you. And we always said, keep your circle tight. 
You know, if if they was looking out for him, the best thing they could say, hey, homeboy, you need to chill out. You don't need that. We got your back. You know, you don't need to be flashing anything, you know, because we say this about anybody, though. We know, hey, you need to slow your roll. So, you know, is it the circle around him? Because I don't care if you got $50 million in the bank. If you're acting stupid with me, I can tell you, hey, homeboy, you need to slow it down. You need to slow your roll. Are you not entertained? Yeah. (laughs) It's the NBA, I told you. WWF, WWE, NWO, right? It's all the alphabet stuff, okay? <laughs> it's not controlled. It's controlled, okay? So, you know, I, I again, the fact that he's able to do that and we glorify these athletes in their wrongdoing, you know what I mean? And I've been there before, I but I've never wanted to get glorified in something that I did wrong. I never wanted to be the guy who did something wrong and be like, yeah, look at me. I, look what I did. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 but that's the culture, the culture of the rap music, right? All it, it, it breeds. And this is my opinion. It breeds sometimes negative thoughts. And that old cliche, look, my grandma, bless her heart, used to say, boy, don't you know the thoughts have wings? So, you know, you got to be careful what you think, what you say, and what you do. And I just think John Morant got to be a little bit more careful on how he carries himself, being that he is a a guy that is in the limelight. There's young African-American kids that want to be like John Morant. And if they see him doing that on the basketball court, I guarantee you, you know what's getting ready to happen? There's going to be a trend in high school. Because it just it, it just follows what we see, not what we say. What we see, what we do, young men pick up off of that. Yeah. Enough of John Morant. Enough of it. Enough of it. I don't want to hear no more of this John Morant clown that's disrespecting his elders. You know, what happened to the days that we said yes sir, no sir? Yeah, those days are gone. What happened to the? I love a kid, man. I it, it 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 does something to my heart when a young man, yes sir, no sir, is me. You know what I mean? And I, you know how you always get. I, I remember saying yes sir, no sir to certain older people, and they tell me, "Oh, you ain't got the yes sir, no sir, me. I, I don't, I ain't that old." And I'm just like, that's that's how I was raised. Is you respect your elders, you respect the guys that came before you. Because they have more knowledge than you. Don't matter how big you are. Doesn't matter how much money you get. Anyway, Bob, come on, man. Let's get some. Let's get some uh, good news out of Husker country coming. Go ahead and preface the clip. We'll play it and then we'll talk about it. All right, well, uh, of course, so we had the um, Matt Rule at the podium yesterday. It's kind of end of winter conditioning, start of spring ball uh, type of uh, press conference here. Thomas Fedone and Chief Borders also at the podium, but we'll start with Matt Rule here. Um, there was He was asked if anyone kind of has stuck out so far uh, through through winter and, and through, uh, you know, getting into spring practices. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not here to isolate any one guy or any per group. There's, there's a select group of guys that have really, really been good. Um, you know, they've earned the most black jerseys throughout the offseason. Two of those guys, uh, Thomas Fedoni and Chief Borders, you know, I've asked to come talk today. Um, I wouldn't say that they're the best, but, you know, we had an offseason competition that we do. Uh, Thomas was the, um, was the captain of that team. 
And in probably six, seven years of doing this, one of the best captains I've ever seen in terms of willing his team to victory. Um, and then Chief, as a new player, I think he was the leading point getter. He, he and Teddy uh, were tied. And um, so I elected those guys to come. But I couldn't say – I'd actually flip it. There's not very many guys that I'm not happy with. Uh, I think a lot of guys have paid a significant price this offseason. Um, you know, I just have to get to the football now and see who can actually do it on the football field too. But I thought the offseason was a real was really good in terms of the holistic uh, group. Oh man, that rule! We and we're gonna get more clips from this whole presser, presser today throughout the show. But I want to make sure that I bring in somebody that I view as a big brother to me, somebody that I grew up watching at Nebraska. You know, uh, play football. Um, that I, I always said to myself, why are those guys so big? Why are they so strong looking? And and this is one of the guys that I and he don't he he probably doesn't know this, but he was one of the guys that I was like, I gotta have my jackhammers, because he came out with the little the little bands around his arms, and I was like, I gotta have my, my jackhammers like that one day. I'm gonna get them like that. So I'm gonna play this and then we're gonna bring our guest. Somebody that is a historian in Omaha sports. Not only a historian, an attorney, former football player for the University of Nebraska, football player for Omaha Creighton Prep, and soccer player. Yes, I said it. Soccer. Without further ado, George Achola, number four. What's up, big bro? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. How you like that intro? Well, that was as original as I've had a long time. No one's ever talked about my soccer playing days, I can tell you that. So, Well, you got to understand that, you know, when you come from Omaha, you, you, you kind of get to know the landscape of the athletes that are around, that I did anyway, that are above me. And uh, you were one of those guys, you know what I'm saying? Do you remember those Creighton Prep Central Battles? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I, I, those were historic battles. It's just so sad that, you know, Central is falling in such hard times because, you know, that, 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 those were always games you circled on your calendars. You know, there was West Side Prep, there was Central Prep, Prep Burke, you know, and, uh, you know, they had some great athletes, as you know, you know, Leotis, Curtis, um, a lot of ballers down there, Calvin. So I miss those days. How important do you think Omaha football in your era, what, 88, 89 to 91, 87? 87 to, yeah, 80, 83 to 87 was my high school years. And then, of course, you know, the, we had the run in the metro area basically to the mid-90s with you, you know, uh, Calvin, Damon, all those guys. Um, you know, Omaha football was a critical part of the Nebraska Foundation. You know, Coach Osborne kind of had this formula. Somehow he was able to get talented guys out of Omaha, 
a lot of running backs. You know, I back you. A lot of I back you came straight out of Omaha that he found, you know, tight ends like yourself, Dan Lohmeyer, you know, um, my former teammates, Daryl Lisey. Um, you know, those, that's how we built the foundation of Nebraska football was with the Nebraska guys. When you think about Omaha, because I, I just want I, I'm I'm putting the cursor on Omaha for a minute because I remember them classic battles. I I did mark that on my calendar. Thirteen years old, fourteen years old. Those are high school games that I will never forget. How ferocious Creighton Pep versus Central was. That was that was the top of the food chain for me in high school football. That game. That game was definitely up there. Um, you know, Central Coach Reed, who I, who I, as I got older, I basically got an immense amount of respect for the things that he accomplished to Central. And, you know, that game, as you indicated, was always a battle because there was great athletes on the other side. I mean, there was as much speed on that other side as you ever seen anywhere. You know, my junior year was probably the only year I could say that on the prep side there was more speed than on the central side, and that's saying a lot. And mm. But there was also a lot of physicality. I mean, you left that game, and you didn't go, you didn't go out of party that night. You went straight to bed because you were, you were in a brawl. And I, those, I mean, I will never forget those games. So, so give me your recruiting. Like, how, how did the whole recruiting process work for you coming out of Omaha Creighton Prep? You know, Probably a lot like yours, pretty traditional. Uh, you know, junior year, you know, I think my first letter was a coach for my, was from Coach Osborne. You know, that's just a moment as a, as a kid you don't forget because, you know, we all grew up watching the Big Red, and then you get that letter from Coach Osborne. It's like, man, wow. Um, and then after that, the floodgates kind of opened. Colorado, Notre Dame, uh, Iowa, Penn State, Kansas, um, Penn State, you know, you, you name it. You know, those all those folks started knocking to the door, and, you know, this is the days before Twitter and the Internet, so you, you probably recall the days when we had the landline at home. You'd get home from practice at 6.30, and that phone would start ringing 6.30 to about 10 o'clock. So you were literally on the phone, you know, every, every 30 minutes is another coach calling. Every 30 minutes is another coach calling. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, you get to around 10 o'clock, man, you're just ready to get off the phone and go to bed. Uh, but as you grow older, you know, you, 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 uh, you reminisce about those days and you understand how special uh, an opportunity guys like me and you had. Yeah, I, I, I always say, you know, we are we are tied together like a chain link fence, you know, yep. and, and, and because without you guys, there'd be no way we could have done what we've done. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, and I, and I can say that about the same thing about the guys that came before us. You know, I think about Ken Clark. I think about Keith Jones, um, you know, Doug DeBose, Rogier, all those guys. Um, you know, it's it's like anything else. And I think with Coach Osborne, it's like anything else. Yeah, he had a formula. He had a system. Those guys built the foundation for the greatness that you guys eventually end up winning a couple of national championships with once Coach T tweaked his system a little bit. But the most important thing about that was, more than anything else, that's how we learned how to do business. You know, as you talk about watching me. I mean, I, I, I get there, and I'm watching Keith Jones. I'm watching Tyrese Knox. And I'm watching Ken Clark. Because, you know, coming out of high school, yeah, we thought we could play football. But the thing that we realized real quick was we were just bigger and faster than most of the guys that we played against. And we, re and we relied a lot on the fact that we were just bigger and faster. 
But then when you get to watch guys that actually learned and played and knew the craft, uh, it was an amazing process to go through, and that's why you saw Nebraska football teams, the Nebraska football players get better year after year after year is that foundation was built, there was a standard that was adhered to, and your job was to meet or exceed that standard. Um, and so, you know, you, you got into winter conditioning, you got into spring football. It was competing. It was meeting that standard. Um, and that's, you know, that's carried, you know, well through life as well, as you know. Right. So I got I got one question I'm going to throw at the break, but I want you to answer this question for me. Because um, we had a debate about this. If you take Omaha players out of the equation, when you play, when you play, how many games do we lose? Oh my God! I mean, that's come on. That's uh, we might be a 500 football team, and I hate to say that I'm not bragging, but we might have been a 500 football team. I'm not saying Coach Osborne could have found other guys to replace the Omaha guys, but the Omaha guys were, especially in, in several positions, you know, tight ends, running backs. Uh, we were a lot of the foundation of that football team. We were a lot of the heart of that football team. And, you know, just that just reflected the amount of immense talent that we had within the Metro system itself. And, and, and you know, it, it's sad that we've seen that diminish over the years. And in my opinion, that probably reflects some of the downfall of Nebraska football, the fact that we are not developing players at the high school level here the way that we used to develop them back in the 80s. But if you take a lot of those guys that we talked about out of the equation, we may be, we might have been 500 football team. Wow. Talking to George Achola, Achola uh, black shirt, Bach is with me. Listen, we're going to throw it to break. We get back. We got more George, George Achola. We're going to talk about some soccer. Coach Osborne. Right. I'm looking forward to that. And, and a whole bunch of other former football guys who still think they can play right after this. Yep, that's true. <laughs> 